Hello and welcome to The Selling Sessions, a podcast designed to help you sell your business, brought to you by United Capital, an investment company that could buy it. For most people, selling a business is a once in a lifetime process and there's a lot to learn about how to get it right. From the legalities to the practicalities, each episode of The Selling Sessions brings you experts who'll share their experiences and give their no-nonsense advice on how to negotiate the right deal for you and for your business. As buyers, we see a lot of common mistakes that sellers make and we want to help you sell your business in a way that's quick, slick and professional. Listen each week to make sure you've taken all the right steps in preparing your business for a sale. This week, I'm uh, delighted to be joined by Satvir Bungar, uh, Managing Director at BDO. Uh, by way of introduction, would you like to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and briefly how BDO can help those looking to sell their business? Sure, Paul, and uh, thank you again for having me on this um, on this podcast. So, as you said, I'm a Managing Director at BDO, which is uh, the fifth global uh, professional services firm worldwide, and I work in the mergers and acquisitions team. I've been here probably 16 years now. Um, focusing on businesses, um, primarily in the facilities management sector. Um, and briefly, my career has been um, uh, originally starting in the big four, uh, qualified as a chartered accountant, and uh, spent some years in corporate finance at Ernst & Young, and then was headhunted to join a FTSE 250 group to learn more about um, acquisition support for them as they embarked on their buy and build programme. And that's how I got into the industry originally. Um, in, in, in relation to the concept of a man in the van providing building maintenance repair services and built up very quickly a lot of knowledge of the sector um, in that industry role, learning how businesses are you know, genuinely integrated and operationally managed. It was a great learning experience for me. But I've continued my kind of um, sector focus at BDO, um, joining fellow colleagues from Ernst Young, for example. And um, 16 years later, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> um, providing um, um, uh, a lot of advice and support to businesses in, in this sector, which I really enjoy. So my role is working with um, owner managers, corporates, private equity backed businesses in relation to a whole array of M&A type projects, which could be you know, acquisition finance to help them support uh, organic growth or acquire a competitor, for example, um, a potential disposal of the business to a competitor because there are succession issues, for example, in, in their own business or working with large groups in relation to analysing their kind of strategic focus and um, determining, I guess, what is core and non-core and therefore supporting yeah. them in, in that kind of programme. So, again, working across the whole spectrum of the facilities management space, ranging from hard to soft services across multiple kind of end markets. So a, a significant significant amount of experience there, and hopefully our listeners will, will appreciate the, the the length and depth of your experience in in this short podcast. Um, go, going on to uh, you, you know you, you talked about um, there you know with that experience you know trusted advisors you know and setting expectations. Um, why do you think these these are are so important to have if you're looking to sell your business? Certainly in terms of our experience of successfully um, selling businesses and getting those transactions away, I think having a very uh, kind of thorough preparation for sale of a particular business is absolutely fundamental to any successful outcome. Um, Because at the point at which a a kind of interested party will come and undertake a whole series of due diligence kind of exercises 
um, around the business, it's very important that um, we're having very honest conversations with our clients that is contemplating a sale about the preparedness, let's say, of their business. So does the business, for example, have the adequate information in place? It's quite a lot of financial information to process, for example. Um, and, and having those kind of um, very honest conversations about the credibility of the information to ensure that business will survive a, um, a very thorough due diligence process. And what we like to do as a, as a firm is spend as much time as we can with our clients, getting those businesses prepared for sale to ensure that those pitfalls, those common areas of challenge that will come back to haunt later, if not thoroughly prepared for, are, are kind of very carefully analysed from the outset. Um, so that we can challenge our clients around the, the quality of the information and the extent to which it will be robust enough to survive a, um, a kind of very thorough process of diligence. Yeah, I, I, I guess as well, particularly those that are, are, you know, maybe selling their very first business, you know, setting that expectation of, you know, it, quite, it will likely be quite a robust due diligence process when you get to that stage. So therefore getting your house in order before, you know, that they go through that and, and obviously as well answering the questions to, to your advisors at that stage are, are key areas to ensure that you, you have a, a smooth um, or as smooth as possible uh, due diligence process when, when that starts. Um, and your trusted advisor is there, you know, every step of the way to ensure that, you know, you are, um, you're able to answer the questions and you're, you know, you can provide the information in a timely and, uh, and succinct manner so that, you know, that, um, that any issues that come out of that, you know, can easily be addressed. And certainly if there's risk mitigation measures uh, that are required to be put into place during that process, then of course these are identified and, and enabled so that the, the, the buyer then has um, faith that that process has has came to uh, uh, quite a quite good uh, situation for that you know for them to look to to buy the business. And uh, I guess- absolutely, and I should, sorry, Paul, I was just going to add there that um, we absolutely accept that certain businesses probably don't have the quality of information to the degree necessary um, because it may not be information that they ordinarily find useful in their own business as to how they manage it. Um, but having been through processes before, we obviously recognise the areas of inquiry that any credible buyer will wish to undertake on the financial affairs, for example, of the business. And, and sometimes if the accounting systems or the, the data set doesn't warrant that or lend to that type of kind of um, output. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's very important to be very honest with the other side, the counterparty up front, about what can or cannot be achieved um, to ensure, again, that the, you know, the business does survive that process. And Having that very honest conversation with our clients up front will allow us to prepare more effectively uh, and engage more, more kind of robustly with the potential buyer so that these kind of pitfalls or gaps in information don't become major deal hurdles later on. Um, and I know we're going to talk about sale and purchase agreements and the topic of warranties and indemnities later. Um, but if we are skirting around certain topics of information that are not available, uh, when we get to the sale and purchase agreement stage, the, the buyer will will never have the perfect amount of information around the business that they're wishing to acquire. So they'll look to the sale and purchase agreement for additional legal protection. Um, and again, the issues can come back to haunt us later unless we um, you know, carefully socialise them up front and, and agree a, a kind of specific strategy as to how we're going to deal with that. That, that. That's exactly right. And I, th- I think that a lot, you know, when sellers are going through the process, particularly if they're going through it the first time, 
you know, they, they, they really need that trusted advisor there to, to help them through that process. And, you know, having having that, you know, setting those expectations right from the start, um, you know, ensures that, that they can try and get as smooth a process as possible and, and keep that, you know, willing buyer, willing seller throughout the process. Um, and certainly, you know, a commercially aware trusted advisor it helps it can help uh, help through that process and cut through a lot of the the, the net gray issues that come out in the due diligence stage and i guess that's where you know the relationships are key and i suppose that'll be the next uh, part just to talk about you know what what's your uh, what's your take on relationships throughout the process and what why do you think that's so important so so again the relationships are twofold there's obviously relationships um, that are fundamental to the success of any transaction involving our clients and the key people involved in the business and that are party to that process. And then there's also the fundamental relationships around the buyer contacts and the senior decision makers at the purchasers organization that we need to maintain as well. And if we start with that particular latter topic for a second, um, having effective relationships with a potential buyer and then more importantly, the decision makers in those organizations, absolutely fundamental to the success of any any kind of successful process because a we we obviously want to understand what the strategic rationale is for that particular acquisition to understand the potential fits um, and also to analyze where some of the concerns of vendors have about the ongoing success of the business whether they will meet the criteria in that particular buyer uh, organization and and having those senior relationships with those decision makers is is equally important because as we come across issues in the deal process and sometimes there are always things that pop up which um you know uh, unexpectedly uh, we haven't kind of elaborated on before yeah and therefore having the ability to have that kind of open frank and honest conversation with the other side um as as and when issues unexpectedly arise um ensures that kind of smooth kind of um pattern to get through that uh, effectively because if you don't have the right relationships with the right people things can come, you know, become very difficult very quickly, um, threatening a particular process. So there was one particular transaction I was involved with where uh, there was a very innocent, um, kind of unexpected kind of um, issue that arose in a, in, in a process which happened um, during the due, due diligence stage. And it was, it could have been catastrophic for, for the transaction. Um, mm -hmm. But by having those kind of honest, trusted relationships with, with the purchasers, um, it does allow you to have you know, a very kind of sensible discussion about the issue and, and find solutions working together to collaborate a successful outcome of that. Um, and, 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 and therefore that, that's fundamental. Now, relationships with the clients organisation is equally important because it's quite a, um, a significant process to go through in connection with selling a business. So you'll be spending broadly six to nine months, um, sometimes less. Um, but around that kind of time frame to get a business adequately prepared for sale and to go through the whole diligence process. And, and therefore having the ability to pick up the phone to each other at any time of the day when issues or obstacles come across is, is, is very important because we absolutely welcome the, you know, the, um, the, 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 the prospect of our clients talking to us at any time in, in a process um, to analyze issues because what we don't want is, um, people going about you know um, wasting time and necessarily um, not not getting to the real uh, kind of crux of the issue and um, we want to be there to support management teams and there's an awful lot of paperwork awful lot of information that is processed um, and therefore having a, a good kind of informal relationship again with client contacts is key to getting getting through this because 
um, when you're on the phone several hours during the day talking about issues, getting the business prepared. Um, it's important to have the ability to have a laugh and a joke as well with your client Absolutely. contacts. And um, um, as you said earlier, most of our clients are you know, going through this process for the very first time. It'll probably be the only kind of life changing transaction that they'll probably be embarking on. And therefore, it's important that we absolutely get on with our, with our client contacts and, um, and be there as a real support for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the buy-in side, you know, certainly when, when we're going through um, due diligence uh, with the seller, and if you've got commercially aware advisors on both sides, you know, our expectation is, you know, we get around the table and and we thrash it out if there's any issues um, that have came up unexpectedly. And where I think that the, you know, commercially aware advisors are worth their weight in gold is, is, is there solutions, you know, to, to some of the issues, you know, you, you can, um, you know, it, lawyers are, are good at, you know, uh, bringing out problems. But once once you've got the problem, you know, is there a solution to it? And and looking at the mechanisms in which that you can um, deal with the solution and mitigate the risk um, on, on either side is certainly, as I say, where, where these commercially aware advisors are certainly worth their weight in gold. And um, and of course, relationships on on all sides are, are absolutely critical in, in in maintaining willing buyer, willing seller throughout the process. So it's absolutely spot on what you've said. Um, obviously, today we're, we're, we're looking at um, um, warranties and and indemnities in particular. So we, we're now cognizant of the fact you've got your NDA in place, you've got your uh, heads of terms agreed, and now you're you're getting right into the nitty gritty of the um, share purchase agreement um, during which you've done your due diligence or you're doing your due diligence at the same time. Um, so warranties and indemnities, uh, what are what are the key considerations there for a seller? Sure. So. As I said briefly earlier, the, the, the purpose of the same purchase agreement is to give the, the buyer the relevant protection um, because they will not be able to conduct a, you know, a perfect kind of due diligence process and understand every aspect of the business that they're buying. So they'll look yeah. to the, the same purchase agreements for warranties and, and suitable indemnities around the conduct of the business uh, to ensure they get additional legal protection. And, um, you know, should the, should the vendor be, you know, properly advised? Uh, it is very unusual for there to be a legal claim afterwards regarding that um, um, the, that set of warranties and damages that have been signed up to, um, unless there's been deliberate kind of uh, levels of misleading uh, going on. So um, mm -hmm. it, it's 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 a very important document because it brings together the whole due diligence kind of experience and findings. Um, and I'll give you an example. So if, for example, the the vendor has um, limited financial information around the past affairs of the business. Um, the buyer could look to the sell and purchase agreement for profit warranties around the financial affairs of the business historically. And unless we've been very open and honest with the um, the buyer about what is available and what is not available, for example, it may become very difficult for the vendor to accept that um, that particular warranty. And, and therefore, that could be problematic for, for the buyer not to therefore seek the level of assurance that they felt was um, obtainable in the sell and purchase agreement. So. As I said earlier, the, the, the whole preparation piece around getting the business ready for sale, not just around the financials, but the commercial aspects of the business, the operational aspects of the business involving um, health and safety records, employee records, um, past tax affairs, and having all the paperwork around that kind of accessible. Um, the, the sale and purchase agreement will, will kind of lean on all those kind of aspects of the business because the, the warranties will be 
primarily in two aspects, the fundamental warranties, which go to the heart of the organization and, and, and around areas such as, you know, ownership and rights on the business to more operational aspects covering financial affairs, operational aspects, employments, um, rights, uh, environmental aspects, uh, IT, for example, and data protection. Um, and therefore, if you've prepared adequately from the beginning, you will have accessible um, uh, people and information that you can lean on as you go about signing up to those warranties and therefore giving the buyer the relevant insurance. Now, there is what we call a disclosure letter available in the process, which allows the vendor to disclose adequately against those warranties, uh, effectively to try and weaken the warranties by, by being full and transparently open about um, the statements that you're signing up to and um, whether there are any concerns around that. And again, if you've not been through a, through a disclosure process and asked the right questions, it can become quite challenging at the 11th hour to be in a position to collate all the relevant information um, because those warranties from buyer's perspective tend to be broadly drafted um, and more broadly um, and obviously vendors want more kind of prospective, prescriptive and more specific warranties. So um, unless you've gone through the disclosure process adequately, um, it can become a challenging situation then. And then the buyers want to want you to go about and undertake a thorough disclosure that the buyer's not looking to make an immediate claim after yeah. you know transaction. They want you to um, go through a thorough disclosure process and, and want to hear again, because their diligence process wouldn't have captured every single aspect um, of, of findings around that business, that, that they want to encourage the vendors to disclose what else is potentially worthy of kind of sharing. Um, and therefore, being prepared in advance for that process is particularly important uh, because, again, what we like to do with our clients is sit down right from the outset. That uh, whilst the due, 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 due diligence process is talking about financial tax affairs and the legal affairs, and we'll walk you through what the relevant information would be required. We then look forward to the sale and purchase agreements and then try to challenge our clients about their ability to then stand up to you know, those warranties and provide the level of scrutiny necessary later as well. Um, so yeah. having a holistic view right from the outset allows us to better kind of navigate through a effective process. And again, leaning on the uh, kind of contacts and relationships with the buyers about what honestly could be a challenging part of a transaction for them or, and um, where where we need to work collaboratively together to you know, identify the right kind of outcome. So if, if they've went through this this uh, this process, uh, sellers went through the process in an open and transparent manner, and uh, there are warranties there. Um, is is there any mechanism for them to try and mitigate their risk somehow? You know, like an insurance or, or, or anything like that. Absolutely, we're increasingly seeing more and more the prospects of warranty indemnity insurance. Um, uh, almost every transaction I've involved on this year and completed um, business sales, um, they, they've had a, a warranty indemnity policy in place. And um, of course, that presents many benefits for vendors because um, it minimizes any legal tail surrounding any claim afterwards because you're effectively passing the um, the, the risk uh, associated with the, with the with the transaction purchase to a third party insurer underwriter uh, position. Um, obviously, there's a cost to that and typically the costs are broadly in the region of 1% of the um, uh, of the the level of loss being insured um, mm -hmm. plus insurance premium tax, um, of course. Um, but but generally, it's a, it, it's a it's a very useful tool for vendors to um, consider using the process because it allows then the buyers to seek the level of assurances that they want, the level of warranty cover uh, and associated caps that they want to um, to justify the purchase price being paid. 
and recognizing there is a credible kind of underwriter standing alongside them to lean on should there be any problems. Now, goes without saying, the, the warranty indemnity insurance process still requires a thorough disclosure process to be conducted between buyers and sellers and a, uh, a sell and purchase agreement to be negotiated on an th- arm's length basis as they would have done. Um, but but increasingly, warranty indemnity insurance is, is then used as, a, as an option by um, purchasers to um, to minimise any legal tail from the vendor perspective and, um, and be in a position to lean on a third party should there be the need for a claim in the future. And then clearly it gives the, the vendor the, the freedom to walk away from the transaction afterwards. Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, when people are looking at, uh, when sellers are looking at um, selling their business and there's uh, an array of warranties or uh, indemnities that are in there, um, mitigating that risk somewhat with an insurance policy like that, or um, you know, or some other risk mitigation measures, i.e., you know, being completely open and transparent. You know, I, I think that, that these things, you know, add real weight to the sincerity of the deal as well. You know, that they're they're quite happy to to put these things in place. You know, because it, it it safeguards them and it also it helps to safeguard the the buyer as well. And that they've been fully open and transparent during the process. And you know, you you've got uh, an insurance policy that's going to back up any warranty claim um, if and when if it's ever uh, required. And um, and of course, I think that. Having your trusted advisor, you know, commercially aware, uh, trusted advisor taking you through that process is is certainly again, you know, it's a key key area to to pick up on. I, I guess that uh, we're we're kind of we'll kind of go back a step as well, but you know, valuations is something that that seems to be popping up just um, in the in the podcast in general. Uh, what's your view on valuations? It, it might, what we've experienced is that they'll maybe get an unrealistic valuation uh, from perhaps a broker who you know gives them X amount of multiple, and then when it actually goes to either market or comes to ourselves or what have you, then you know we give a fair price for for what we'll value the business at with the information provided, uh, which then you know is, is perhaps maybe lower than what their expectations were, and conversely as well, you know you might have. A, a seller who's who's, uh, who's maybe not looked to, to sell their business before, thinking that their, their 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 business is worth a lot less than what perhaps we we'd be willing to pay for it. Um, so how do you how do you um, help manage the expectations when it comes to valuations, and uh, how do you you know you've got unrealistic on one one end and then you know a shortfall on the uh, 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 two, two, two less on the other you know how do you how do you help them uh, get them expectations correct sure sure so um again from my many years of experience selling businesses across the fm spectre um generally speaking using profit multiples ebitda multiples as a measure for example um a, a valuation attaching a multiple to that is is a um a well-known kind of parameter to to follow amongst buyers in the industry, and um, therefore there are two aspects to that kind of crucial question around valuation or fair valuation. It's the multiple, which again is going to be bespoke to that particular particular buyer, um, and and obviously the profits that are subject to the calculation. And again, when we meet many potential vendors looking to sell their business, we regularly get challenged on valuation because they've heard of a particular competitor or um, a business in their space that um, that has kind of fetched a particular headline value uh, and therefore they feel their business is worth more than that. Um, what's, what commonly is a real challenge is that the 
uh, that the profitability isn't just about accessing the company's accounts and looking at what the last recorded fold accounts delivered for that business in terms of profitability. Um, buyers are buying the business for the current financial position based around the current financial position of it. Uh, the current run rate of profitability, for example, is a useful guide to value. And that that data set wouldn't be available to a third party unless they were involved in the process. So mm-hmm. when we go about marketing businesses for sale, of course, we're looking at the history as a as a guide for valuation. But more importantly, that business may have experienced rapid growth this year. We've sold many businesses this year, for example, that have won contracts last year um, and have grown very, very quickly and it forms a kind of key facet of valuation for them. Um, but the 19 accounts, for example, wouldn't have recognized that level of growth and the 20 accounts haven't been filed yet. So we are basically selling the business on a current profit run rate perspective. Um, to justify the price being paid, and that will equally influence the multiple uh, if there's fast growth and there's a particular technology proposition to that contract delivery, for example. Um, and that data set wouldn't be available in the open marketplace unless you was involved in that process. Um, so we try and spend a lot of time with our clients going through the data sets of transactions that we've been involved with. We work with transactions both on the sell side and the buy side. And um, uh, given the organization size we are, we commonly hear about other transactions that we're not directly involved with and, um, and and try and get to understand very quickly, again, using leaning on our relationships with those potential buyers about typically what they are paying for businesses in that particular part of the industry. Um, and therefore, we try and provide that very honest view and advice to our clients, um, because what we don't want to do is mislead our clients by presenting an incorrect view and value. Uh, because again, this is a life-changing transaction for them, and they need to be absolutely comfortable with the basis of valuation. We try and provide as much honest um, kind of advice as we can based on the data that we have available for them. Um, and in terms of valuation of the business, it's it is primarily driven around the profits, but there is also what we call the completion mechanism. Mm-hmm. And the completion mechanism is about ensuring that the business delivers enough working capital. Uh, to the buyer at completion, and that then determines whether there's any surplus cash left in the business to be added to the purchase price. And again, all of these facets facets form part of the headline price that could, for example, get published elsewhere um, around that particular sale value. Um, so what you've got to try and do is kind of break down the the headline price into the various constituent components, and then try and explain how those all interplay together, and they all have different dynamics um, to them. Um, so hopefully that that gives you a bit of a bit of bit of a bit of a steer around how 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 to go about you know effectively looking to value a business and then of course the multiples are dependent on where you are across the FM spectrum you know certain business models um, historically commanded lower multiples when you're providing certain services whereas for example if you are providing a technology led proposition you've got some particular USP around your 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 ability to offer data analytics, which are valuable to that particular contract. And that could appeal more importantly to a particular buyer than another party, um, mm. maybe kind of underweight on their own technology proposition. So if, for example, they want to try and replicate that software and um, cross sell it across their own client base, they may be relatively more hungrier to um, you know, uh, access that business and therefore uh, potentially pay a more strategic price for it. Um, Compared to a, a, a another 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 buyer, for example, who may be looking to get uh, a transaction away and acquire a similar business um, uh, at a lower multiple. So it does really depend on 
you know, the, the finer detail around that particular business being sold because no two businesses are the same um, and no two buyers are the same because they'll all have their own kind of purchase acquisition agendas and um, criteria to justify the price. And again, boils down to having that effective relationship with that decision maker where mm. we can move through and understand where the best fit will be um, and using that relationship to leverage a much better outcome for our clients. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess if you look at different industries as well, they, they, they sometimes have different multiples. Uh, just during that, the market seems that uh, sees that, that that's just the way that int- industry is. You know, if you look at a lot of the, the IT and tech uh, industries, it's now they're demanding quite high multiples. Um, but again, you know, that, that came, you know, just after the dot-com bubble and then it, it crashed down and then you're seeing it going back up again. So, um, a lot of the um, a lot of the, the 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 marketplace demands you know sometimes higher multiples and sometimes it, just given the industry it might be a lower multiple industry as well and uh, the market demands uh, a, a lower a lower um, uh, multiple um, of EBITDA usually but uh, but yeah I, looking you know while I've got you on here with the, the mountain of experience as well, is there any learning lessons or, or, or any sort of um, studies that you've done whereby, you know, um, you've, you've went through a process and, you know, things maybe have came out, you know, blindsided you or anything like that that's happened over the years that, you know, you'd like to give uh, our, our, our sellers a bit of insight into? I, th- I think that the, if I look back over the last five years, for example, and some of the pitfalls that have commonly kind of manifested themselves across all transactions, I think that the best advice we 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 would give to all of our potential uh, clients and uh, people looking to you know, potentially sell their business in the future is is to be absolutely open and honest and transparent upfront about your own internal control system, about your you know, the quality information that you're preparing and, and and where some where you see some of the challenges, whether it's in the contractual documentation aspects of the business that need to be more robust, for example, um, or, or, or whether there are kind of gaps in, in, the, in, the, in the accounting system or, or in the information that you have access to. Because if we have a very honest and open conversation right at the beginning, we can all work together and spend time getting that data, that information together. Mm-hmm. Um, very often we get thrown into scenarios where vendors have had conversations with potential suitors and they've agreed a headline price and then we're brought in to help support and deliver that price. Um, ideally when a party is potentially looking to sell their business the more time you have to prepare and, and get the business ready for sale the more dividends it will pay later in the process and, and very often we come across scenarios where um, information has been overlooked or or issues have been overlooked and um, it's very important to spend a lot of time getting ready. You know, we'll, for example, right at the beginning of a process, we will sit down with our client and spend a day or two just going through the business model, going through the business uh, processes and controls to really try and understand and extract as much information and, and uh, having that open and frank honest conversation about you know, anything that's concerning you around your business, please. Let's have those open conversations because then you can you can you can prepare for that and you can you can you can you can guide your potential parties accordingly around those so that they don't become real issues afterwards. Sometimes it's the optics that count more than necessary facts. And if you're in the middle of a diligence process, the last thing you want is their one of their accountants or lawyers to come across a, a particular issue 
which may not be a, a kind of a significant issue in its own right, but because the optics sometimes take over and issues get um, you know blown up into bigger, bigger kind of deal breaker type events, and um, people then start to necessarily lose confidence, and uh, that can all be addressed early on and managed much better by having those kind of um, conversations. So yeah, we encourage all of our uh, kind of contacts and um, potential sellers of businesses to you know have a very honest conversation with yourself and your own team around the board table um, in terms of how prepared you think you can be um, and 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 we always request the ability to open up those discussions to as many people as possible around that board table um, to ensure that we are you know, as fully prepared as possible. Yeah, I, I guess I've got to echo your sentiments as well as a buyer. You know, we, we're looking for that open and, and open, transparent uh, nature when it comes to, you know, dialogue over and the, the, the submissions as well over the, the, the purchase of, of uh, a business. So, you know, if a seller goes in with that expectation, you know, that, that openness and transparency, um, it's it certainly, you know, it aids the, the willing buyer, will, willing seller process throughout. And, uh, you know, so I absolutely echo those sentiments as well. Um, just uh, just uh, in final uh, closing, uh, Satfira, if any if any sellers looking to um, sell their business need a bit of advice, uh, how, how do they contact you? Just through the website or? Sure. So if you um if you Google my name on the, and and um, look at the BDO website, uh, www.bdo.co.uk, you'll find my contact details um, uh, on there. But my email address just quickly is satvia.bungo.bdo.co.uk. Um, by all means, reach out to me either through there or through LinkedIn. Uh, more than happy to have a open and honest conversation, obviously on a confidential basis with anybody thinking about a particular kind of process to follow. And um, more than happy to share yeah, our insights and um, and do what we can to help them. That's perfect. Thanks very much, Safia. Really appreciate your time and insights today. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Well, thank you, Paul, for having me again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode eight of the Selling Sessions. We are grateful to our podcast sponsors, Affinity Business Centre, which is a modern co-working space right in the heart of Industrial Dundee. With a range of offices and warehouse spaces to let, Affinity Business Centre is home to many local and national companies, and it's where we have our lovely, welcoming recording studio. If you need office space close to the centre of Dundee and with easy motorway access, visit affinitybusinesscentre.co.uk. And don't forget to tune in next week for episode nine, bringing you more expert advice on preparing your business for sale, brought to you by United Capital, an investment company that could buy it.